Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Whoa, that was nice. Uh, there's a quite, quite a few more of you here, uh, second service, so that was a greater welcome. Um, but man, how are y'all doing? Good? Good, me too. Oh, we are at church, praise God. Um, honestly, so uh, it's, it's a little weird for me to be in this position um, just because of normal circumstances. Uh, and there's been only one other time that I've actually preached for our church, and that was back when we were pre-recording all of our services uh, during the lockdown, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and so I'm just really excited because apparently it went so well that uh, Pastor Peter and Pastor Jeff thought it was a great idea to let me do it again. Um, and so that's on them. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, Peter Pollock. Uh, for those that are new here and you're thinking, yeah, why is this weird? Like, uh, I'm uncomfortable now. I should probably leave at this point. Please stay. Um, it's not going to be that awkward. And those watching online, you're like, what do I get myself into? Quickly refresh, go somewhere else. No, um, the only reason why this is different is uh, my name is Kyle Relf. I am the worship pastor here. And so I do want to say thank you to Danny and the rest of the team uh, for playing and leading us this morning. They did a great job. So thank you to them uh, for playing and leading us because it allowed me to be able to do this. And honestly, uh, normally we wear those little in-ear monitors, those little headphone things. And so normally I don't get to hear our church sing. And so it was really nice to be able to sit over off to the side and be able to hear us sing. So thank you. That was a nice little treat uh, for me. So let's get started, shall we? Uh, we are going through our series in Exodus called Into the Wilderness. And so far, we've actually seen a lot of the people inside of Egypt. We've seen the plagues. We've seen a lot of stuff happening. Um, and we've seen a little glimmer of them like actually leaving Egypt, uh, escaping the Egyptian army. And walking across the, uh, the Red Sea. But today we actually get to see the first little uh, glimpses of their time inside of the desert. Inside of the actual wilderness that they will then be in for the next 40 some odd years. But before we get there, I would like to share a little story with you all. Or really give you a little glimpse into a moment that happened in my life uh, last week. Yeah, last, I think it was like Tuesday. Uh, anywho, so my dad, he actually just got uh, married to this wonderful lady named Sulini. Sue's awesome. She has two kids. The older one, uh, Victor, he's 24, great guy. Younger one, his name's Kevin, he's 10. I was like, Dad, he's 10. It's been at least like 18 years since I was 10, so good luck. Um, it was a great time. Anywho, so apparently Kevin just recently got a fidget cube. Do you guys remember fidget cubes? We have a picture of one uh, coming up on the screen right now. Um, fidget cubes were these little devices where each side just had like a little mechanism that you'd just sit there and like play with, fidget with, this, just like that. Yeah. So each little thing, you're just like, Meh. or do you remember uh, fidget spinners? Those are still kind of popular. Um, just that little device where you just hold it and you spin it and it does its own thing. Um, yeah, those, these guys, uh, they're crazy, super fun and annoying. So parents, I'm sorry. Anywho, uh, Kevin recently just got one of these like fidget cube like devices. And so my dad calls me and he's like, hey, buddy, remember that one time when you got a fidget cube? And I was like, okay, I, I knew what was happening. My dad was smiling. I could tell that because he had a point to make um, as he often does. 
And so I was like, yeah, Dad, what's up? And he's like, oh, do you remember what I told you? He's like, no, Dad, that was like 10 years ago. I was an adult when I bought it, and so I didn't care what you said. Like classic millennial, right? Um, that, was, that was me. It was a, it was a fun time. He's like, oh, you don't remember? Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, Dad, I don't. He's like, well, I, I said they were dumb and a waste of money. And I was like, ha, 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 of course. Anyways, I, I share this story because it made me think, like, of course my dad would remember something that he had told me like 10 years ago that I would then no longer have any care about in the entire world. And this was something that, honestly, if I had remembered his wisdom in this moment, it would have saved me a ton of money over the last 10 years of my life. But unfortunately, I did not do that. There's something important with this because we see, at, at times we forget things, Right? Or really, we forget details that surround different circumstances in our lives. And that's okay. Forgetting things is fine. Uh, I'm really good at that. Uh, and, like, I forget uh, what it was like to break my arm. I remember the side effects, and I remember certain memories of that moment. But I don't remember exactly what it was like to break my arm. But where there's an issue is for most of us believers, we tend to forget the things that God has done in our life. And that's not so good. God, we, we forget the things that, that God has done that has really pushed us to be on fire for Jesus. And like we still remember God, right? We go to church, we're here today, we, we, we pray, we believe in Jesus, but when push comes to shove, we get tired. We, we try to take care of things on our own terms. We, we tend to not pray because we're trying so hard to figure out how to solve a certain issue on our own. So, as we are going through the stories that we are going to be reading, uh, we see Israel go through these different circumstances. And while we're reading these different stories, there are three questions that I want to be asking while we observe these stories as a lens. So we're just looking through these three questions into the stories that are at hand. And those three questions are, one, who did they turn to? Two, how did they act? And three, who gets the credit? Did they try to put their faith in other imperfect people? Were they obedient to what God actually wanted for them? And did they try to give credit to themselves or to God when they saw him at work? So the text we're going to be going through is going to be Exodus chapter 15 through Exodus chapter 17 verse 7. You might be thinking, Kyle, that's like two and a half chapters. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Uh, it's a lot. So bear with me a little bit. We're going to skip through some of the passages, um, but uh, it it will all just be because of time. So please go back through and reread these chapters because um, there's a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in there. Um, but we're actually also going to be starting at verse 22 of chapter 15 because I believe these first few verses of chapter 15 are actually the answer to the questions we're going to be looking through uh, the verses at as well as an answer to the lessons that we can glean from uh, these passages. So, if you will, let us turn uh, to chapter 22, or chapter 6, 15, verse 22, woof. Uh, and as y'all are turning there, uh, let's play a little catch up. Uh, what had just happened is the people have left Egypt, right? They're being chased by the Egyptian army, and they have just crossed the Red Sea, and they had just seen God close the water on the Egyptian army, and now they're on the other side. They're in the desert. So let's now read verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. 
So for the people, so the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? So we have this massive amount of people who have just left the comforts of Egypt and are now in the middle of the desert. They're wandering around. They have not found any water. That sucks. That's okay. Like that's frustrating, and that's that's a hard time for the people to try to, uh, to experience. Honestly, I'd be frustrated too. But let's look at their response then, shall we? Who, who did they turn to in this moment? Well, it doesn't say that they were frustrated, but hey, they kindly met with Moses during his office hours. And they said, hey, Moses, here's a, we've got a little issue here, but here's how we plan on taking care of it. Is that okay with you? No, they didn't do that. They just instead grumbled against him. And it's a little bit deeper than the word grumbled. When you read that, it might seem a little tame, but really the Strong's definition of the Hebrew word that is used there actually means to, to murmur, to tarry all night. And so the, the, the real meaning behind that is kind of like when you know somebody who's really frustrated at something, right? And you like empathetically say, hey, man, like, I'm so sorry. With, like, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, it's not, but it's whatever. I'm fine. And then every, every time you see that person, they keep bringing it up over and over and over and over again. And it won't, they won't let that go. This is what's happening here. This is what's happening to Moses. So he then um, turns, and, and now we get to see how they act, right? How do they act? Well, they complained, as usual, for so hard and so long. There's no patience, no trust, and certainly no faith that God was actually going to deliver them from this circumstance. But it turns out that God has already planned to solve their problem. Moses does cry out to God, and then God has him throw a piece of wood into this bitter water to make it potable, to make it drinkable for them. But this is what God says to Moses in verse 26. He says, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to to his commands and keep all his degrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So, what happens next? Well, the people then come to this place called Elim, where they meet, uh, there's like, Nice water, there's trees, but who, did, who gets the credit in this circumstance? Well, when we read this portion, it doesn't really say that they worshiped God or gave him the credit. No, it just, it just says that they enjoyed it, but then they moved on. And that's it. So, let's continue reading then, now starting at chapter 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim, and they came to the Desert of Sin, which that is a funny name. I didn't know it was called the Desert of Sin, but I really enjoyed that. Um, which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites, uh, they, well, okay. So I actually want to pause here for just a second. Um, and for those that, that don't know, I was a theater kid in high school. Uh, and I did some acting stuff when I was in college. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, but what I wanted to do today was actually uh, try to read this in the way that I believe, in my interpretation of how these people uh, would have sounded like um, to Moses in their complaints. So, follow along with me. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate it. I'll take my bow. That's all, folks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
But talk about dramatic, right? These people were nuts. But let's ask that first question. Who did they turn to? Last week, Pastor Peter mentioned how when people get frustrated, they tend to look at the first person that's closest to them and throw all the blame onto that person. Last week, that person was Moses. This week, that hasn't changed. This is still Moses and Aaron. But if you pay attention, it actually says that the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. In this first story that we talked about, it really just said, you know, the people grumbled. We have no idea how many people that actually was. But in this, it says the whole community. And if you, if you guys remember, when the people left Egypt, there was about, it says there was 600,000 men that left. But if you remember, there's not just men, there's women, teenagers, they're angsty, there's kids everywhere. And so by the end of it, it's about 1.6 million people that have left. That is 1.6 million people who are complaining to two men, Moses and Aaron. Talk about the burden of leadership, right? But we see this even today in our church and in other churches. What happens is you have one person who gets upset about something, and most of the time this boils down to a personal preference. But then this person actually goes to one other person, who goes to another person, who goes to another person, who goes to another person, and then all of a sudden you have a whole group of people who are actually turned against their own church. When that person, that first person, could have just simply come and had a simple conversation. Or better yet, they could have actually looked up to see what God was doing and be thankful for that, rather than get upset over a personal preference. So even though the people of Israel are complaining to Moses, God actually already has a plan in place. And that's pretty amazing. He says this to Moses, starting in verse 4. Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So God, in his own mercy, has already prepared this answer for his people. But in his specificity, he is testing their faith, testing their obedience, to which we will then see how they do. So the following verses, we actually see Moses and Aaron. They go to the rest of the people of Israel, and they explain to them, this is what God's going to do. This is what's going to happen. And the way that that answer was given to them was every evening, God would deliver a bunch of quail that the people would then go and gather. Then in the morning, he would cover the ground in this white frost-like dew stuff that would dry up into this flaky material that they would then grind up and make into bread that they called manna. This is what they would do every day. So, there were two rules that God gave his people when he gave them this answer. One, take only one portion per person in your tent. No more, no less. And two, on the sixth day, Take two portions, so that way you will then rest on the Sabbath. So how did they act? Well, let's find out. Let's read, now starting at verse 17 of chapter 16. It says this, The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And they went and measured it by the omer, which was the, the portion size. The one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to take, is to keep any of it until morning. Awesome. 
right? They're off to a great start. This is great. But unfortunately, all good things do come to an end. So verse 20 says this. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses at all. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. And it's like, yeah, Moses, dude, I get that. I'd be super frustrated too. Like y'all had one job. You had like two rules to follow and you already missed out on number one. So let's see how they, they do with rule number two. Starting at verse 21. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till the morning. Perfect. Great. Everything's going good, right? Well, again, we're not done reading yet. So let's uh, continue on now to verse 27. It says this. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. I mean, guys, really? You know what? Okay, so you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me, um, how many of you guys played sports growing up? Did sports? Did activities? Yeah? Um, it might be a surprise to you as a music guy, but yes, I was a sportser growing up. Again, surprising, I know, but I did that. Um, and one of the things that I remembered uh, when I was doing sports was did... It was like the coaching thing, idiom of like, if one of you fails, all of you fail. How many of you guys heard that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not alone in that. Well, as the big guy that usually fell on me, uh, and so for most of my teams, I had a really bad relationship with running, um, and my team had a bad relationship with me. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great circumstance, but that's, that's my life. But this must have been how Moses felt, Right? As one of the frontline people alongside the rest of all the other people going through the wilderness, he is the one getting reprimanded by God. And this wasn't even for the sake of all people, but just some who couldn't follow through with the plans and had no regard for instruction. With this moment in the story, we ask the question, well, who gets the credit? Well, it doesn't really say that the people worshiped God for the miracle performed. The story just kind of moves on. So we will too. So now, like I mentioned earlier in, in chapter 17, these, first, uh, these seven verses, we're going to actually uh, paraphrase them. Um, but again, I encourage you guys to go back through and read this. And the reason why we're paraphrasing is because it reminds me a lot of the first story that we went over where there were people who were thirsty, there was no water, and God gave them uh, the answer. But uh, they, the, the way that the story plans out is uh, the people, they again come to Moses and Aaron complaining about their water. Classic Israel, that's what they do. Uh, Moses cries out to God, and then God in his mercy yet again uh, provides a miracle for the people to then have water to drink. And the miracle was, Moses, strike a rock with your staff. I will send water from that rock. And Moses did so in the presence of the elders from Israel. Now, who gets the credit in that story? Again, we don't know for certain, but it does say that it was done in the presence of the elders. So maybe, uh, maybe God got the credit, but we don't know for certain. So, what does this have to do with us today? 
What does reading about these ancient people of Israel and their poor attitudes with an understandably frustrating circumstance? Well, I'm going to ask you guys actually a different question. When was the last time that you saw God at work in your life? Let's think about that for a moment. When was the last time that you can look at a moment in your life and say, this was without a doubt God? I ask you this because I know that it's actually easy for us to forget the mighty things that God has done in our lives. This is exactly what happened to Israel. They were too busy looking down at how bad things they how bad the things were, that they weren't able to actually see the way that God was answering their prayers. They went from one place to the next, seeing God do a miraculous thing. There was a change of circumstances. They experienced an incredible hardship like lack of food and water, but then immediately forget that it was actually God who allowed them to walk across dry land and escape the Egyptian army. So again, I want to acknowledge actually the fact that this was truly hard for them. Like, this isn't a light thing. It was difficult. And I'm sure it was easy for them to question whether or not they were, were going to have water, they were going to have food, they were going to survive. But when we read these, as just the modern-day people that we are, we look at this and we're like, man, what's wrong with you guys? Like, God literally just answered your, your questions, the same question just a chapter ago, and you're forgetting, you're complaining, what's, what's wrong? But again, I want to ask, when was the last time that you saw God at work in your life? You see, we can be like the people of Israel a lot of the time. We can experience something truly traumatic. Question God or cry out to him. He'll provide an answer, a blessing, some peace about the situation. And then a new circumstance happens, and we're right back to questioning God. We're right back to crying out to him, wondering what's going to happen. But now I actually want to circle back to the beginning of chapter 15. We're going to read most of this passage because, like I mentioned before, the scripture holds the answer to the, to the issues that we're, we're reading about, the questions we've been asking. And as a reminder, this is coming directly after the people just saw God close the water over the Egyptian army, delivering them. But I want to pay attention to how Moses responds. He responds in worship. So let's read, starting at the beginning of chapter 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers he's drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppose you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. 
They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. So there are a few things that are actually happening here. The first is that Moses spends the first half of this song, the first ten verses, acknowledging exactly what God has done. He's restating everything that God has done to the tune of a song so that way the people then remember. The second thing that we see is that Moses then is exclaiming who God is through a rhetorical question, which is verse 11. And thirdly, he then spends the last half of this song prophetically claiming in faith what God will then do to deliver his people from the future circumstances that may happen. And lastly, what does Miriam do? Well, we can read about what Miriam does starting at verse 19. Let's read. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with the timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. So, she grabs her like her little girlfriends, you know, they grab a tambourine. They go out there and they start singing. They dance. Well, watch out. As Baptists, we got to be careful, right? But they celebrate God for what he has just done. They took the time to sing and celebrate exactly what was going on. You know what we don't see? We don't see complaining about, you know, the water wasn't high enough. Or the ground wasn't dry enough. Or the Egyptians weren't uh, dead enough. Or anything like that. We don't see that. This here is, a, is an example for us. An example of what we are to do in any circumstance, good or bad. The biggest thing we can do in our circumstances is simply to remember God. As we remember God and the things that he has done, we will then be strengthened and have faith to look forward into the things that he will then later do. But how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. I think one of the best ways that we can best remember God is simply by talking about him. The more you talk about him, the more likely it'll be that you will remember God and be able to acknowledge where he's at when he's acting, uh, when he's active in your life. Some examples of that could be this. For families that have kids uh, in the house, maybe while you guys are together eating dinner, if that's what you do, ask them, hey, how have you seen God at work in your life? What it'll do is it'll force them to think about the moments where maybe God, they saw God working it, uh, in their day. Maybe it was their week. Hey, how, do you, how did you see God working this week? For my family, what it was, my dad would always ask me, hey, buddy, like, what was the best part of your day? So it forced me to sit there and think, all right, well, what was the best part of my day? So I had to go through all the little moments and be like, okay, what was the thing that brought me the most joy? So make that a part of your regular conversation. Maybe families without kids or families or singles in the room who don't have any kids or don't have a spouse. Spend time talking to your small group or even better yet, your oikos about the things that God has done. And as a reminder, your oikos are the uh, 8 to 15 people who are in your life that you can then have an impact towards the kingdom of God. These are people that maybe your family, maybe your neighbors, 
maybe people you play video games with online. But let talking about the things that God has done in your life be the way that you talk to them and get closer with them. Or maybe, as we're talking about small groups, maybe you're not in one. That's okay. But I would strongly encourage you guys to then join a small group that we have here at the church. And if you have questions about that, you can talk to Pastor Jeff after service. He would be glad to talk to you about some of those details. Or if you'd like, we're uh, in September. Uh, we're going to be doing a big push into our small groups then. So if you hang around with us till then, we'll be doing a big push later on. But we know that we are never meant to do church alone. And we strongly believe that this is one of the greatest ways that the body of Christ can actually come together and learn from each other and learn how to love and serve God better. So as an example of this, this wasn't necessarily like a small group moment, but I was hanging out with uh, uh, DG, Danny Gavini, and our other buddy, Brady Adams. We were hanging out in my house, uh, sitting in the backyard. Conversation quickly turned into ways that we've seen God at work in our life. So Brady got a chance to share, Danny shared, I shared. And when those guys left, I was just filled with joy, and I thanked God for this moment. One, that I had friends that I could even just talk to, uh, talk to about Jesus in that kind of deep way, but also I was filled with a joy because I was able to spend time remembering moments where I saw God at work in my life, where these guys saw God at work in their life. So that story for me, when I was in between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was traveling with this group called the Continental Singers. It was a traveling show choir group, lots of dancing, skits, crazy stuff. It was a lot of fun. But the night before we left on my first tour with them, the staff had, oh, excuse me, the staff had this, uh, this moment where they were able to pray for us, send us, kind of have like a commissioning service for us. And uh, they were, we were singing worship songs, and I remember it was like I was on my knees, like ugly crying. Like it was bad, like tears, snot, gross, all the things. And this, one of the staff members said, hey, right now, Satan's going to want to do anything he can to get in the way of you actually being able to serve God the best that you can. And at that time, I was deep into my, my uh, previous addiction to pornography. And this was hard. But this was this physical weight that I had weighing on my shoulders was this addiction that I was going through. And I remember in that moment praying and asking God, Lord, take this away from me. Take this weight away from me. Remove this from my life so that way I can then better serve you. And I remember in that moment, I had this it was a very physical feeling of weight being lifted off my shoulders. And I fully believe that this was the Holy Spirit giving me a, a, a glimpse of who he is and his power in my life as a moment where I can then look back and say, man, that was God. That was God at work in my life. So don't let moments like that pass you by. Don't let moments like what I just shared or even the moments of me sitting around with my friends talking about who he is in those moments, don't let those pass you by because the longer that you spend looking down and, and looking at the bad things and how hard life may be, you will miss God. So here's my challenge for us right now. Even if you're listening online or you're listening later on in the podcast, figure out a time where you can this week talk to somebody else about the things God has done in your life. Maybe take some time praying about not only what that story may be, but who that person may be. So if it's your family, you know, figure out a night where you can ask them, hey, like, where did you see God at work at your life or in your day or your week? Or maybe call a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and ask them, like, hey, how you doing? How have you seen God at work in your life? And then spend time sharing about how you've seen God at work in your own. 
Or maybe try reaching out to your small group leader and say, hey, like, can, we, can we spend time this week like, talking about God or God moments? And ask them, see if, they'll, see if those moments can happen. But I challenge you guys, just spend time remembering God. He's worthy to be remembered. He's someone we can trust. And he's definitely worthy to be praised. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your truth. We thank you for your word that we can read these stories and learn from the examples of of the past to be able to see you at play, to see your hand through all of scripture and to be able to know that, God, you are somebody we can believe in, you are somebody we can trust in, and you are somebody that we can then share our life with. So, Lord, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you search our minds and search our hearts? Help us to find these moments and remember these moments that we've experienced you in your mighty glory. God, give us the answer of, of, of who these people we need to talk to are. Tell us right now, God, who this person is that we need to share your glory with, your, your majesty with. And God, maybe there's people here today who have not experienced you in this way. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do that. You would give them a moment right now. Uh, later this week, that you'd give them a moment where they can then experience who you are. Or maybe there's someone here or somebody listening who doesn't believe in you, but wants to, wants to have these moments with you. Lord, I ask right now that they would pray along with me, that they would say, God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I know that I have failed. I know that I've made mistakes. But God, I know and I I believe that you are the answer. I believe that you've sent Jesus to die, but then to be resurrected so that way I can be with you in glory. And God, I choose to follow you the rest of my life. God, we are grateful for you. We are thankful for you. And I ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.